0: the reading of the word now, and our passage today is Acts 20, or sorry, chapter 8, verse 25 through the end of the chapter, and I'm going to read it to you all, and you can feel free to just listen, or you can read along with me. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Condas, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? or his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, And beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized? And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.
1: Thank you, Mackenzie, my name is Bob, I serve as chairman of the elder team here at CB, and I grew up on a nut farm. Let me explain that a little bit. I grew up on a filbert farm outside of Oregon City. Filberts are more commonly known as hazelnuts. We had acres of filberts, we had hundreds of trees, We had long rows, and many of them, long columns of filbert trees, each tree 24 feet from the four trees on each side of it. My dad was living the filbert life, and regularly he came to me, he engaged me, and he taught me about nuts. Very often, most days after school, I would work in the orchard, All day Saturday, my sisters and I would work in the orchard. Saturday mornings, at the dining room table, Dad would often say, I'm going to line you out. And that meant that he was going to come up with a plan for us to spend all day in the nut orchard. And then at the end of the day, after long, hard days of work, work, me and my two siblings would pile in the back of an open pickup drive down the hill to Fred Meyer, did some shopping, each bought a piece of candy, and went to McDonald's for dinner. Okay? And we didn't work in the orchard on Sunday. Okay? No matter what the season, there was always something to do in the Filbert Orchard. Winter and spring, my dad pruned the trees, and I got to haul brush. That means that, means that I got to, to drag all the brush and the branches to the adjacent field and pile big mounds of branches onto an old tire, douse it with gasoline, run a trail of gasoline just far enough away to light a match, and that thing was a blazing inferno, even a driving rainstorm. Okay? We had a couple of deadly sworn enemies, squirrels and crows. Both love nuts. Okay? Dad taught me how to poison squirrels. When I graduated from grade school, Dad gave me a 410 shotgun, and I went out at every opportunity and shot crows. Gah! Gah! gah, gah. I think I still have PTCD, <laughs> post-traumatic crow syndrome. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Summer and fall, Dad pulled behind the tractor a disc, turned over the soil, turned over all the, all the weeds and the grass, exposing the bare earth. Then he'd run the harrow over the top of that to break up the clods. And then after that, he would run the sled over the top of that to smooth out the bare dirt so that. Late fall, when the nuts fell out of their husks and fell to the ground, we could scramble around with our 10-pound buckets, taking up all the nuts in the orchard. Often during the rain and the mud and the wind and the leaves of the filbert trees also fall off about that time and battling the squirrels and the crows at the same time. Okay? You can feel a blank nut, and then you just push it into the ground. Or if you, don't, if you don't feel a nut and you just see a white dot on top, that means it's a blank, you just push it into the ground, you don't pick it. Okay? About six to seven ten-pound buckets go into a gunny sack, stack all the gunny sacks in the garage, and then once a week take all the burlap sacks to the nutty wholesaler. Okay? That was, that, was, that was our life, okay? That was the, the filbert life. <clears throat> My least favorite job was pruning sprouts at the bottom of those hundred tre- hundreds of trees. Thousands of sprouts. I hated that part of the filbert operation. Okay? I'm shaking right now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hated that. And so one day, I was supposed to be clipping sprouts, but I was actually playing around in the orchard, building mounds of dirt, building trails. And then before I knew it, the clippers were gone. They were buried. So I thought, hey, it's difficult to find them. This is a huge orchard. I'm not really even going to try. It's impossible, big orchard, not worth it. Went back and engaged my dad. He engaged me. And he said, Bob, he had a different view than me. He said, Bob, we're going to go out to the orchard which we did, and we actually retraced my footsteps through the dirt and found the 64-square-yard square that those clippers had to be in. And Dad said, I'm going to teach you the meaning of the word systematic, and we're going to find those clippers. Gave me a hoe, and he said, I want you to hoe eight grid lines, north and south, one yard apart, and I want you to take the same hoe, and I want you to hoe eight grid lines, east and west, one yard apart. You're going to have 64 squares in that dirt, each one yard square. doesn't matter where you start. Okay? Pick any box, and then take the hoe and dig down at least eight inches thoroughly in that box. If you find the clippers, great. If you don't, mark it with a stick. Move on to box number two. Might be box number one, might be box number 64. You don't know but you're going to find those clippers, okay? <laughs> I, I, I learned a lesson there, right? I, I learned a life lesson about systematic, and essentially, just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's impossible. Just because something's hard doesn't mean I'm not going to try, okay? Dad essentially said, find your square and work your square of the orchard, and you're going to find something valuable, Amen. Amen. That was a filbert life, okay? But this morning, we are talking about something much more important than nuts. Amen? Amen. We're talking about living the Jesus life and our willingness to guide people into his life, even as we have been and are guided into the life of Jesus. And as I hold this Bible, I'm reminded that my dad passed something along to me much more important than filbert's which is the life of Jesus. And he gave me this Bible back on Christmas Eve 2003. It says, Bob, a replacement for the one Mom and I got for you in 01, Dad Rap. I misplaced the other one, just like I misplaced the Clippers. (laughs) He gave me another one. I've had it for how many years? 15 years now. starting to fall apart. And at the back of this Bible, we have two sons, our oldest son, Yoshia, age seven. When he was one, he got a hold of this Bible. And it fits his personality that he wanted to find out the end of the story. He wanted to find out how things turn out. I don't remember consciously guiding him into the Word, but, but he got into it. He was taking notes. He, he got into the Word. And I, I, I didn't know until now why I made this note back then, Yoshikun. November 11th, 2012, with a smiley face. Wow. And it reminds me that what I've received, I want to pass along to other people, starting in my home. Anybody else want that here? Yeah. And so on Father's Day, we have a lot of uh, different thoughts and, and emotions and feelings in this room. Uh, you, may, you may be a father here. You may, you may not be a father. Uh, you, may, you may want to be a father you may be a father who uh, wants to connect better with your kids or connect at all. And each of us has had a biological father, uh, perhaps Christian, uh, maybe non Christian, maybe he was there, maybe he was not there, maybe he was a pretty good father, maybe he was whatever father he was, maybe very abusive and abandoned you. I know that's here. And in the midst of all this, I can say that on this Father's Day we praise our Heavenly Father for creating us, loving us, and guiding us. He is a good, good Father, as the Chris Tomlin song goes. and I think we sing that here sometimes. He's a good, good Father. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for being our Father, for creating us, loving us, guiding us, and, you, and your guidance is, is true and loving and good, and uh, we just thank you for Father's Day today. We thank you for the fathers in this room and what you're doing in and through them and us. In Jesus' name, and we need a lot of help. Amen. And each one of us here also wants to eagerly guide others in our lives into the Jesus life. Acts chapter... 1, verse 8, is our outline for the book of Acts, the uh, advance of the church, the expansion of God's kingdom. And basically it says, you will be my witnesses, starting in Jerusalem, and then in Judea and Samaria, and then to the remotest parts of the earth. That, that's, our, that's our outline. Earlier, in chapter 8, a couple weeks ago, we met Philip. Philip was one of the seven deacons appointed... In Acts chapter 6. The first deacon was Stephen, full of the Spirit, living the Jesus life, and got killed for it. So I'm, I'm starting to think, next man up on that list, number two, Philip. He might be thinking about modifying the Jesus life a little bit, maybe playing it safe, you know, trying to, you know, modify the Jesus life a bit. But then we find out he's preaching the gospel, he's talking about Jesus. He's led by the Spirit. He's doing the same things that Stephen was doing. And so that's the man, one of the men, in our passage this morning. Bookends to our passage, verse 25 and verse 40, preaching the gospel. Those are our bookends. That's our context. And it's not only only speaking the words of the good news about Jesus. It is actually living the Jesus life living as Jesus lived, loving as Jesus loved, listening as Jesus listened, speaking as Jesus spoke, and talking about Jesus Christ. By the way, I just want to give credit where credit is due. I got help preparing this sermon from my two sons, Yoshia and Isaiah. Okay. Two Thursdays ago, we were at McDonald's. I wonder where that started. We were at McDonald's, in Lincoln City, in the play place, reading Luke chapter 10 about Mary and Martha, Mary spending time with Jesus, and then I'm sure that motivated her loving service for the kingdom. Martha rattling the pots and pans around in the, in the kitchen, getting mad and irritated at Jesus and her sister, okay, and totally missed Jesus at that moment. And then I, I had an idea. I said, boys, Lord willing, I'll be preaching a sermon two Sundays from now, and I need your help. I'd like to read, read some verses out of Acts. I'd like you to listen. And then when I'm done, I'd like you to ask me some questions. Okay. So I read, they listened pretty well, and they asked me some questions. Okay. Yoshi. Why did he baptize him? How did he, how did he disappear? Why didn't the Ethiopian understand what he was saying? Why did they ride in a chariot and not a car? <laughs> he said later, because, it's, because it wasn't a car road. Why did God tell Philip to follow the Ethiopian? How does the Holy Spirit move Philip to another place? He answered later, because he's strong. <laughs> Why did they want to stop at a lake? Okay. This is uh, Isaiah. Here, here are his questions. Why he want to baptize him in the river? Later, he said, because he want to throw him in the river. Isa is four. Why he want to go to another place, he said later, because he want to ride in a car. Okay. Why he baptize him in the river and go to another place. And final question, why he want to send him away. Okay. I, I got some good stuff there. I don't know about you, but do you notice the kids sometimes notice things in a fresh way that we as adults don't notice anymore because we've kind of arrived? wow, I got some help from my two boys in preparing this sermon. Back to our passage in Acts. Where we will find that Philip is living the Jesus life by guiding someone else into it. How? Well, first, Philip is willing to do what God says. He he actually goes. He goes. Willing to do what God says. He goes. Verses 26-26. Jude 28, God says, get up and go. Philip gets up and goes to a place, a desert road. Interesting. Philip went from a successful ministry in Samaria, a lot of people preaching the gospel, healings, miracles, really successful ministry, and he went out to the desert. When I think of desert, one other word that comes to mind is Deserted. That doesn't quite make any sense, does it? It sounds like a big square of sand with nothing of value in it. (laughs) Well, maybe Philip thinks that God's sending him out for some solitude that will drive him back to effective ministry with people. I don't know. But I know he left a successful ministry and went out to the desert. He obeyed God. That's the main point here. I also find it intriguing that... an angel of the Lord told him to to go out to the desert. That's interesting, isn't it? Interesting? I don't know about you, but raise your hands if you're conscious of regular, specific angelic guidance in your lives. Okay? Yeah. Uh, That's a growth area for me, for sure. Okay? And I have to say that I don't remember taking angelic guidance 101 at Multnomah or at Western, okay? One of the reasons I don't remember taking it is I didn't take it. Another reason is they didn't offer it, okay? There are two reasons I didn't take it. The growth area. So, good, I don't need to do anything until I have conscious, specific guidance from an angel. Amen? Well, I thought about that, but that doesn't sound right. So perhaps a better way for me to look at this right now is to view an angel, key role, messenger of God. And so if God has a message that he delivers through a messenger, an angel, to me or anyone else or Philip, that message is from God and it's exactly in line with the Holy Spirit. This is helpful because I'm more in touch with being led by the, led by the Spirit, And I know I'm aware of being led by the Spirit more when I spend time in God's Word, in prayer, in study, and spending time with God's people. Then I'm more aware of being guided by the Holy Spirit. If you are willing to do what God says, if I am willing to do what God says, He gives us the help we need. Amen? The help shows up directly from God, through people, and probably more than we know, getting help from angels, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. Why? Hebrews 1.14, for one, says that angels are not only messengers, but they're also servants sent to help out believers. Wow. I got some help that I don't usually think about in living my Christian life. Sometimes the Spirit leads us to a brand-new place, a place we've never been before. But much of the time, the Spirit leads us back to places we are already familiar with. He leads me back home every day. He seems to be leading me to go to work at the harbor about five days a week. He seems to be leading me places that are kind of familiar to me, too. Doesn't the Spirit lead you to places sometimes new and sometimes that are part of your normal routine? That's absolutely true. And I want to be faithful in his leading, whether it's a new place or a place that is part of the normal routine, conscious of the Holy Spirit. The main thing here is that Philip is willing to do what God says. And he comes upon an Ethiopian eunuch, A court official from Africa holding a specific office in a specific country. Think about the outline in Acts 1.8. This Ethiopian came from his part of the remotest parts of the earth through Judea and Samaria back to Jerusalem. Did the outline backwards. Okay. Worshipped in Jerusalem, God-fearer, for some, something motivated him to go to Jerusalem to worship. I think it was the Holy Spirit. And now, on his way back through Judea and Samaria, back toward his home in his part of the remotest parts of the earth, he was sitting there in his chariot reading God's word. Two men at a specific place, one willing to obey God, the other reading God's word. Sounds like an encounter to me. Sounds like something's going to happen. But first, let's talk about our places. McDonald's is one of my places, okay? One of my squares in the orchard. We each have squares in the orchard, right? I go there for solitude, usually bright and early in the morning, several times a week, and I can do that because I have the blessing of being 50% deaf. I can't hear out of my left ear. So I can do solitude at McDonald's. And I think for me, it's getting away from the familiar. I don't find myself mopping the floor, picking up the parking lot, going behind the counter and taking orders, uh, answering beeping machines there. Uh, I can focus on spending time with the Lord. It works for me. might not work for you, but that's what I get. Okay? And, yes, I have to admit, I go there for the coffee. One dollar coffee, I have an app, buy five, get one free, so it's really 83 cents, okay, okay, yeah. And, of course, we all remember that McDonald's serves Seattle's best coffee, and I think we remember, too, that back in 2003, Starbucks bought out Seattle's best, so I'm here to say that I'm buying coffee for 25% of what you can buy it at four bucks, okay? Yes? I drink coffee at McDonald's. And I find that God brings people for me to interact with there, and I have some great conversations with people. Some believers, some non-Christians. What are the places in your life? Fathers, one of our places, or squares, is our home. Each one of us. Has our places, the block, the, the workplace, uh, the workout place, school, store, favorite coffee shop. And at our places, are we really present? Are we really present and alert at our places? Or are we just there? And I think there's a big difference. We can be th- I can be there physically at a place, I can just be there, or I can be there present and be fully alert and engaged about what the Spirit's wanting to do in and through me. When I'm not present, but I'm just there, then I don't really notice or value people, right? They can be distractions, they can be bothers, They can be. but when I'm present where I'm at, then I notice, wow, the main things of value here are God, God's Word, me, and the other precious souls in this McDonald's, okay. One challenge is busyness. We get you know too busy. Uh, anybody struggle with that here? Get too busy doing a bunch of stuff, kind of like kind of like uh, Martha, you know. Uh, get too busy. Something that's helpful is regular time alone in solitude. I get it at McDonald's, but I'd encourage you if you're not getting it, to find time to get time regularly, daily, with God. Time alone with God will drive you toward people, so you can love people the way that you want to love them. And then time with people will drive you back to solitude to be refreshed. You might, you might make a list. I think we all know that there are 10,080 minutes in a week. So consider what you do, maybe the top 25 good things that you do, and then maybe lop off the bottom three that might be pretty good, but really they're not nearly as good as time alone with God. So figure out your top things that you do, how many many minutes a week you spend doing those, and then whatever the bottom three are, just lop them off. You might want to talk with somebody in your family about that as well. I get that. Spend time with God in solitude. Well, Philip is willing to do what God says. First, he goes, and now second, he engages. Verses 29 through 31, God the Spirit says, go up and engage, and Philip runs up and engages. He joins that chariot. He joins a man reading Isaiah. He could have been too busy to bother. He could have taken a piece of charcoal. And drawn a Jesus fish on the back of his tunic and jogged on by. Okay? Could have done that. He could have done some crazy stuff. Okay? But Philip doesn't do this. Philip was a normal human being, probably struggled with anxiety sometimes, maybe fear, but he was also powered by the Holy Spirit. And he asked a yes or no question to the Ethiopian Do you understand what you're reading? Answer was, no, I don't understand something. And he invited him on up for a conversation. Uh, last month, it was actually Mother's Day on May 13th, Sunday morning. Yes, I kind of open up the McDonald's at 6 o'clock. I'm there, about an hour. Get, get home uh, as the rest of the family is starting to wake up, spending time alone in solitude, reading the Bible. A man two, two seats away got my attention. He said, Hey, excuse me. I said, okay, is it Mother's Day today? I said, yes, it is. And He said, thank you, turned around. Went back to reading my Bible. Okay. Then the Spirit, about a minute or two later, compelled me to go up and talk with this man. Because time alone with God compels me toward people, to love God, to love people. So I went up to him, and the few steps it took to get there, here's, here's, here's exactly what I said. I said, Hi, my name is Bob, and thank you for asking if it's Mother's Day today. Okay. I already knew it was Mother's Day, but I wanted to, I wanted to thank him. for. I did, what I did what I had, that's what I had. He said, Wow, my name is Robert. Is your name Robert? Yeah, my, we're Robert, Robert, yeah. We connected at that level, and we talked a little bit. I said, uh, I love my mom, glad she's alive look forward to seeing her one day, she's in heaven. He said, yeah, my mom's died too. And so we teared up and talked about our moms a little bit on Mother's Day. Okay. And then at some point, it seemed natural for me to say something like, I said, um, I, said I don't know what you think about prayer, but I really, I really believe in the power of prayer. And he said, well, I find myself talking out loud sometimes too. So we talked about that a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then at some point, I just, just wanted to share with him what I was doing at McDonald's. I just said very matter-of-factly, I'm here reading the Bible and studying the Bible because, Lord willing, next month I'm planning to preach a sermon. and I'm studying. And he, he said, we talked a little bit, and he, one of the things he said was, Bob, I have a short fuse, and a long time ago I tried to study the Bible, but I couldn't understand it, so I gave up. I got, I got really excited. I got really excited there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I got really excited, okay? And I'm going to pick up that story um, a little bit later, but I want to ask you, who are the people in your places? How are you engaging the people in your home? Not only there, but you're present. How are we engaging the people in our house and then out from there? Each one of us, how are we present and intentionally engaging others. The neighbor next door, other people in our lives, what are your barriers to doing that? One challenge is that we get tired. Anybody here ever get tired? You know, or really tired? Okay, after a long day, or a long week, or a long month, or a long season, or a long, yeah. I get get tired, okay? Too tired to read the Bible and talk about Jesus some days, even with my kids just want to rest and kind of kind of veg out, okay? And thinking, and today doesn't really matter that much because if I do read the Bible, talk about Jesus, my sons, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and things won't be really noticeably different, so it doesn't really matter, okay? And I don't really believe that, but do you ever get there to where you get, get tired and you start thinking things that aren't quite true, okay? And it's helpful for me Prayer is helpful for me because, yes, I am tired sometimes, and you are too. And when I come home from a long day's work, some days I have the car, sometimes I don't. I actually appreciate not having the car because I work three miles from home, and when I don't have the car, it's about a 35-minute walk home, and it allows me to transition from the men I work with at the Harbor Portland Rescue Mission, kind of let that go, pray about it, and prepare me to come to work and love God and love people, to come in and love my wife and spend time with my boys, swinging Isa on the swing before he quickly will become too big for that, going with Yoshi to weather.gov and looking up all of his favorite places in the United States Not just 97220, but Barrow, Alaska, Death Valley, California, and on and on. And reading the Bible and talking about Jesus. Okay, I'm excited to do that because the Spirit strengthens me even when I'm tired. When I don't pray, when I hop in the car and drive six minutes home, don't really maybe don't pray, don't have time to transition from work not time to prepare to get home, then, wow, maybe I'm there, but I'm not really present. I'm not loving my wife like I want to. I'm not inviting her after we connect to go and spend time with Jesus in the back room because she's a mom, and she's a homeschool teacher, and she gets tired too, and she needs to spend time with Jesus for her at the end of the day, for me at the beginning of the day. That's what I want to do. Ask for focus and strength to do the main thing, main things. The Spirit is leading you home. You're present. Walk across the house. Walk across the room. Engage whoever's there in your home. Hopefully it's people you expect to be there. Engage those precious souls. Walk across the classroom. Walk across the cubicle. Walk across wherever you're at. Because you are present and you are engaging. Okay? Okay? Yeah, you're also charming and attractive and handsome. Yes, you're engaging and you engage. Okay. Well, Philip is willing to do what God says. First, he goes, and second, he engages. And third, he talks about Jesus. Verses 32, 35. These verses are from Isaiah 53. The eunuch answered Philip essentially no, I don't understand who this is about. I don't know who this is about. I'm reading, but I don't understand. I need help. Okay, And we all need help, right? It's fine to spend time alone with God and His Word, and we also need help. We need guidance from others. And there are people in our lives that need our guidance as well. What we've received, we give back. So starting from Isaiah 53, Philip talked about Jesus. Okay. I'd like to show you a picture of our oldest son, Yoshia, uh, holding up uh, his name. He's uh, uh, half Caucasian, half half Japanese, all Christian. That's his name, okay? The, the top bigger part, the kanji Japanese character, the bigger part, uh, is... Actually, a combined character, the lamb above myself, okay? The lamb above myself. That's the top part, Yoshi. Combined character, the lamb on top, above myself. The bottom part is the ya part, okay? Yoshi, ya. Going back to the top, the lamb above myself, when that top kanji character combines together, that means declared righteous. So, what we have here is starting from bottom to top, we have the ya part, which means declared, and the top part, which is lamb above myself, meaning righteous, and all together means declared righteous. Okay. Isn't that cool in a Japanese name? Okay. Reminds me of what Baber said earlier. Does God do that kind of stuff? He does. Yeah. And so, when I think of my son, I think of probably what Philip was talking about, starting with Isaiah 53 and moving all the way into the New Testament. He's talking about that kind of stuff. He's talking about how we are sheep who've gone astray, don't have a relationship with God because we've, we've gone our own way. And doesn't work out too well. Sin. And so Jesus, God above came down in humility, became a man, became the God-man, lived a sinless life, a righteous life that we couldn't live, died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and that we would become righteous, declared righteous, and God raised him from the dead on the third day that we not only have eternal life with him in heaven, but we have the Jesus life with him today. Amen? Powered by the Holy Spirit. So, I don't, know the exact, I don't know exactly the words he used, but I know that's what he was talking about. Starting from Isaiah 53, talked about Jesus, preached Jesus, all the way into the New Testament. I'm thinking even including Peter's speech in Acts chapter 2. My dad... Passed along Jesus to me. He was an extreme extrovert. I like to recharge my batteries alone so I can love God and love people. Dad, extreme extrovert. I really admire his evangelism style. Uh, It's not, not my style, but he did it. He did it the same way every time. Restaurant, street, wherever he was at, he would boldly go up to someone, said the same words every time, engage and ask, have you heard the good news? Most people want to be in the know, so they leaned in and said, no, I haven't. And then you talk about Jesus. Okay? <laughs> wow, I'm proud of my dad. Proud of my dad. Back to McDonald's. Didn't we leave Robert there at McDonald's? Okay? He said, started to read the Bible, couldn't understand it, and so I gave it up years ago. And I got kind of excited. You know why? <laughs> I said, Robert... I want to go back and get my Bible and bring it back to this table and read you something. And he said, that's okay. So I went back and my Bible was open to Acts chapter 8 because I was just starting to read and study the passage of Scripture that I'm preaching today. And I carried the Bible over to the table and I read Acts chapter 8, 25 to 40 to Robert. (laughs) I said, Robert, do you understand what's going on there? He said, I I don't know. (laughs) And I said, here's what's going on. There's a guy in this passage who's reading the Bible and didn't really understand it and needed help. And there's a guy in this passage who was helping the guy who needed help. And you know what? That's you and that's me. It's going on right now. And, Robert, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but I want to tell you, it is okay to have questions. We naturally have questions. It's okay not to understand everything. Robert, I don't understand everything. <clears throat> I'm, I'm over there studying the Bible because I want to understand more, and I need help. That's, it's okay to not understand everything. And it just felt like kind of the, the weight of something started to drop from him like no one had ever told him that before. Wow. Talked about Mother's Day. Uh, he has two sisters. Uh, both are mothers. He wanted to call them and wish them a happy Mother's Day. Uh, we talked some more. I said, Robert, do you have a Bible? He said, no, I'd like to get a small one like yours so I can carry it around easily. I said, this is mine. My dad gave it to me. Here's my phone number. Call me. I'll get you a small Bible. Okay? We had a great conversation. We'll come back to Robert probably one more time. How is it going talking about Jesus with the people at your places? You're not just there in body, but you're present. You're You're engaging. How's it going talking with your people at your places? Fathers, whether or not your kids or children know Jesus yet or not, have a relationship with him, keep going, keep engaging, keep on talking about Jesus, And and also keep on praying and don't give up. At home every day and also wherever you go every day. Maybe you're not a father. But someone in your life for sure needs a spiritual father. You're a woman, and another woman in your life needs a mentor or spiritual mother. You're a student, and someone in your life needs the life of Jesus. You're a neighbor, and one of your neighbors needs you to be a neighbor, meaning you love God and you love them, like Jesus did. That's a Jesus life. One challenge is fear. Anybody here ever get fearful in your life one or more times. It's okay. God says, don't fear, I'm with you. But he also knows, when you're anxious, cast your anxiety on me because I care for you. Wow. Paul, who will come into the Jesus life next chapter, maybe next week, he wrote later in Ephesians 6.19. This is Paul the Apostle. He wrote, and pray for boldness for me that I will share the gospel boldly as I ought to. He needed prayer for boldness. Paul the Apostle. With strangers, we need boldness, and sometimes we even need more boldness with people we've known for a long time. Maybe even family. One thing that's helpful is to keep in mind uh, a concept called a double bind. A double bind is when you have two options and they're both hard. And there's no Really good third option. Two options, they're both hard. It's a double, sharing, talking about Jesus, inviting people into Jesus' life is a double bind. Okay? It's hard to not share Jesus because we're Christians, and the name Christ is in the word Christian. We're believers. Okay? That's hard. Uh, it's hard to share Jesus because of fear and other, other things. Well, what's the third option other than not sharing or sharing? I, I can't think of one yet. The secret to resolving a double bind is to face the fear, okay? Name it, face it, pray about it, and do the right thing, which is often the hard thing, and God will bless it. Do the right thing, which is often the hard thing, especially at first, and God will bless it. I know that when I'm waiting to be completely comfortable in my own way before I do anything, then I don't do anything. But I know that when I'm spending time with God that drives me toward people and there's some anxiety there. I don't feel totally comfortable and as I'm walking across the room the spirit gives me power and boldness. Gives me peace in the process once I'm moving. That's the way it works for me. Get some accountability to do what you really want to do deep down. That's what we really want to do. Do the right thing which is the hard thing. God blesses that. Well, Philip is living the Jesus life. He's willing to do what God says. In our passage, he's willing to guide another precious human soul into the Jesus life. Go. Engage. Talk. That sounds like an acronym. Go. Engage. Talk. G-E-T. Get. Get it? Get it, Danny? Go. Go. Engage, talk, get it, got it, done. Once we got it, it's as good as done. Well, what's the Ethiopian's response? Well, verses 36 and 38, he says, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Nothing. He had repented and believed. Well, how do we know that? Well, we know that that sermon... From Isaiah 53 all the way into the New Testament, I'm thinking included Peter's sermon, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, where Peter says, Repent and be baptized. This man got it. He repented and believed, looking around for water. As soon as he saw water, I'm all in. Throw me in the lake, throw me in the river, as Isaiah would say. He, He got it. Whatever Philip had the Jesus' life, he got it and was willing to obey God quickly. Repent and believe quickly, get baptized quickly. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, going back to the remotest parts of the earth for life. I'm all in. Some of your English translations uh, may have a verse 37. If it does, it's likely in brackets. Some English verses don't. that verse is not part of the earliest and best manuscripts. It's sound theology, but I don't believe that uh, it's part of the earliest and best manuscripts. In fact, in this passage, which highlights quick obedience, we go directly from verse 36, look, water, why can't I be baptized, to he's getting wet. That's what it's saying. Go back to Robert one more time. I haven't heard back yet from Robert. He has my phone number. It wouldn't surprise me if I hear back from him. It wouldn't surprise me if I see him at McDonald's again. When I do, I'm going to pray myself up and walk across the room and say, Hello, Robert, good to see you. Engage. Be led by the Spirit and talk with Robert. Maybe talk about getting him a Bible. Maybe talk about whatever he wants to talk about. Fathers, grandfathers, you're not only fathers, but you're grand. How about great-grandfathers? You're not only a father and great, but you're, you're grand and great. That's awesome. And everyone else here who's living the Jesus life, we are eager to guide people into Jesus' life because we have a good, good father who helps us directly. We have people who have guided us and are guiding us as we have help from other sources, including probably angels, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. We guide and keep on guiding. We do our part. God always does his part perfectly, perfect in all his ways. And we trust God for the results in someone else's life. Let's finish. Final two two verses. Verses 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Wow, that sounds like a body snatching. That sounds like a Star Trek uh, transporter, right? <clears throat> uh, that, that's one view, and God certainly uh, could do that. That's without doubt. He could have done that. And he might have done it here. I did a word study on the study. I studied it pr- pretty well. And my, my view is that the Holy Spirit compelled Philip to quickly go... That's the whole, in this context of this passage, quick obedience. The spirit is working, and the person responds quickly. Go out to the desert road. Done. Join the chariot. Ran up and did it. Repented and believed. There's water. Throw me in the lake. Did it. Come up out of the water. This work's done. Hey, Ethiopian, can you you share the gospel with the guys in your chariot and back in Ethiopia? Yes, got it. I'm back to Azotus found himself there quickly. At the beginning of our passage, one person living the Jesus life. Here at the end, two people following Jesus. I call that doubled in the desert. Philip went north preaching the gospel. The Ethiopian had been worshiping in Jerusalem. Not believing yet was in Judea and Samaria, came into the life of Jesus, heading back to his part of the remotest parts of the earth. And I'm pretty sure, and I'm going to find out in heaven, I believe as well, once I get to find him and talk with him about this, find out how that story played out from there. I'm guessing that thousands, maybe millions of lives were impacted for the good. Fathers, what a privilege to be um, working, well, to have the name Father, first of all, and to be working for our good, good Heavenly Father who helps us be the fathers that we really want to be. All of us here in Portland, our part of the remotest parts of the earth. Yes, Portland, Oregon, part of the remotest parts of the earth. Led by the Spirit who is strong, as Yoshia says, the Spirit is strong, led by the Spirit, who says to us every day, go, engage people, talk about Jesus, do it quickly. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, thank you for helping us Every, every part of this, we need your help to, to be present, to engage, to talk about Jesus, to talk about what you've done in our lives, to invite, to continue growing into the life of Jesus and offer that back to others, what we've received. Uh, we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We desire to be formed by the word of God in community. If you have questions about this week's sermon, we would love to hear from you. For more information about our church, please visit centralbible.church.